What's up, everybody? Not a journalist here with Brian Holiday and Scott C. To my oh, man, I always do that wrong. I always point to the wrong direction. <laughs> One day I'll learn. Scott C. I'm very excited to be talking with you, man. Um, uh, you know, for as for as long as I've been in the city, and I started working in college radio, university radio, and whatnot, and people were just like. Uh, yo, have you have you met Scott C? Like, you should talk to Scott C. Like, people are just always name dropping you and stuff around the city, and I was always just like, I haven't met Scott C. No, and they, like, and it was kind of fun because it, it was nice to know because sometimes in the industry it's real easy for people to do this thing where it's just like, oh, this person from out of town is important, or this person from somewhere else is important, and not everyone talks about someone locally uh, with such like regard and admiration, and and you know. Uh, I guess not only are you talented, but also you've been doing the goods, which was something that a lot of people in the community really respected. So I was really excited, man. I'm really happy to get to talk to talk with you. Dude, I'm happy to be here, man. Uh, you know, you you do this thing like a symphony, man. You're always conducting things, <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it, man. Oh, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, this uh, this started just because you know I've I've mentioned it before and I'll say it again. It started because I just I didn't have anything to do and I took the opportunity to just be like, yo, we have a the whole premise of not a journalist, which is something I haven't talked about in a couple episodes. Was I like to just give big ups and and and, and take take full advantage that I have a platform where I can ask dope people to sit down and talk with me and. That's pretty much just what it is. It's just like, oh, under the guise of a daily podcast, let's uh, <laughs> all these people I've always wanted to just be like, hey, man, you're cool. You want to talk? <laughs> Why not? Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So the goods, uh, you know, how, how many years did you do the goods for? Almost 15. 15. Uh, we, we stopped in 2017, just short. It was another three quarters of a year would have made it 15 years. Mm. And what was like when I'm sure you had this on a few occasions when people would ask you like, yo, how do you get something like this off the ground? And you know, how do you <laughs> make, not even just that, but also how do you maintain it? What's some of the advice you gave people? Advice. Um, well, uh, our, our, one of the big things that sort of helped us, get some traction in this place and and going back to what you said before i'm not even originally from here man i'm i am i i'm happy that people consider me a local yeah and consider me a, a montrealer like above all I, I i that that's my heart yeah but i'm from toronto right i came from toronto oh, okay one of the like few who came the other way <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean so um and Andy as well. Andy's also from Toronto, but okay. he, he was here longer than me. He was here, I think, another three years or four years before me. Mm. Um, but uh, coming from Toronto, um, you know, I was kind of used to a certain level of uh, diversity as far as DJs were concerned. Mm. Okay. Um, and, you know, 
some of the guys that I was, was religiously following around and checking out at the time, and this is like between 1990 and 1993, mm. you know, they were able to play reggae, they were able to play underground hip hop, they're able to play house. Um, you know, that was like the first time I heard people playing like Brazilian music on a, on a club dance floor. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Funk, soul. So when I came to Montreal, um, that's what I was looking for. Mm. Uh, uh, that's that's kind of what I was keyed into. That's the vibe that I was really all about and wanted to build on. I was looking for my people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what Your I mean? community, that's fair. Yeah, 100%. And to be honest with you, uh, and th this is not to say that it didn't exist somewhere in some pocket, mm -hmm. but we, I couldn't find it. We couldn't find that vibe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was, I was pretty fresh out the box as a DJ. I'd only started DJing in 1992, yeah. 1990, end of 1991. You know, so I had like, I had a grip of records. I had enough records to hold it down. Um, uh, and I started sort of playing with, um, like-minded people, like not people who were playing exactly the same thing as I was playing, but something that you know, people who are open. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I, I feel like, and when I was at, when I was a program director at CJLO, one of the things, whenever DJs would come in and they'd be nervous the first time they're about to go on air and they'd, uh, and I'd give them some semblance of a pep talk. One of the things I always said was. Uh, you have decided to bring forward a specific niche in the community that someone else may not have thought to do or someone else hasn't done yet. And by doing this, you're going to be able to connect people and be a voice for people who've just genuinely never had someone play the type of music you might be playing for them or discuss the type of subjects you might be discussing on their behalf. And that was always important. And a lot of people felt so relieved to hear that because they'd be like, Oh man, I didn't think about it that way. I just, I just really love this music, and I was like, yeah, yeah, and that's great. You love it, and there's probably other people out there who love it, and you're gonna help bring those people together, even if they don't actually go to a venue together. Just listening to your show or your show getting around the community and connecting people will bring them together. And I feel like the, yeah. you know you were on a similar wave wavelength with that, which was, I mean, this sounds amazing. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying that there wasn't people playing hip hop and no, reggae yeah, yeah. and house music in Montreal. That was all happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but to find sort of uh, an open format party where all these things were converging yeah. and being played, it just it didn't exist as far as we could see. So, yeah. um, I was at the time I was living at a um, a gallery performance space that used to exist in Old Montreal. It's a place called Isart, not okay. Blizzard. Okay. Isart, <laughs> I-S-A-R-T. Okay. And uh, at the time, it was like this really dope, out-of-the-way spot. All the, like, for example, all the original Ninja Tune shows used to get booked oh. in, at, at Isart. Everything. Okay. So DJ Food would come to town, he'd come to Isart. Uh, Emin Tobin's first shows were all played at Isart. Oh, dope. Um, you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. You know, Wig, Wig. Uh, Ghostbeard and DJ Love, they used to do dub nights there. Anyway, through through doing stuff at this spot, I met Andy Williams. Yeah. Who would occasionally come and DJ for um, poetry events and different things, you okay. know? And yeah, I was yeah. always like, 
yo man who what is he playing this is dope as shit like yeah. honestly like Andy always was coming with like stuff that nobody else was playing yeah um and that basically just got us talking we became friends uh we would DJ together at Izart and um we eventually uh, I think we linked up with uh Similac you yeah. know Similac yeah 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 so Similac and uh Simon B uh, Simon B was a guy that I was working. He was a graphic designer at the Montreal Mirror, where I was working as a writer. Okay. And um, we just had this one-off lock party, and it was bananas. Like <laughs> it was, it was exactly what I just described to you: funk, soul, jazz, hip hop, house, all in one party, and everybody vibing and not afraid where the party was gonna go. That's dope. And from that. We were like, okay, we gotta, we gotta do something. We yeah. gotta do something together. Because you and, saw and, that uh, the, the people were there. There was like a community of people who are interested in all of these different, the blend and that that kind of energy. Exactly. Yeah. And um, this is where we started a night at Blizzards, the original incarnation of Blizzards when it first opened on Saint Laurent. Yeah. Um, it was a night called Brass Knuckles. Oh, dope. Okay. And the four of us would play every Friday night. Four DJs in a in a oh. club like that on the, on the main. Okay. And it was it, it was rammed for five years. <laughs> um, and th- you know those are some of the proudest moments of me being a DJ. Yeah. Uh, it in in Toronto or Montreal, like um, you know having a packed Friday night and having a who's who of people making music and. And doing things in the city, being in the room, yeah, it was just—it was just a really cool vibe, and um, uh, the energy something was amazing. Was, yeah, the, the energy was bananas. Yeah, it man, was, I can, I can only imagine like that. Like, and that's the thing. Like I was saying, when I when I first started doing radio, there was always that that thing of like, yo, Scott and all these guys, like, you gotta like if you're gonna be paying attention to stuff in the scene make sure you go out to some of these events and whatnot i was so young and new though because i grew up in the city and like what people call the formative of the years uh you know from like 16 to like 22 the time when i was in university i ended up getting shipped out to the suburbs so i felt like such a disconnect with the city so when all this all the great cool shit was happening by the time i came back at 22 and like half of my friends had their own friend clicks and stuff like that and I'd been going to university, so I had a lot of university friends, but that's when I ended up connecting with the people at the radio because I, I kind of felt lost by my, like, for a minute. And then the radio people were the ones that really, that kind of community vibe. And I think one of the things that you're bringing up that I really connected with was I, I liked the idea that we were all fans of music. It wasn't just like a specific style. Like, if you were just a fan of music, hanging out together was fun. And like, it sounds like that's what your thing was like. That's it, man. Like, without getting all like hoity-toity and snobber- <laughs> snobbish about it, yeah, yeah. Like, we we were playing like we were going deep mm. on a Friday night on the main, where ninety-nine percent of the clubs on the street were playing commercial shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And and I think as a result of that, we stood out, and people went out of their way to come and try and get in if they could on a Friday night because yeah. it was really. At, at a certain point, it became really tough to actually get in the place. Hot damn. Um, so we did that for five years. Yeah. I think from 98 
98 to 2002. Okay. Or 2000, 2003. Yeah. And then um, me and Andy, we kind of we kind of stopped doing it. Hmm. We basically had a at some point there was like a falling out with the owner of the, of Lizards at the time. Yeah. And we we left. We just booked and and Similac and Simon continued to do the Friday night for a little while. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was around that time that um, Salarosa and Casa del Popolo were just opening. Okay. Um, ah, Moro okay. Prezet and, and Kiva, his wife, were just sort of trying out an idea that they had. Yeah. And uh, we just got, we were able to secure <laughs> a night from the beginning, a monthly date you know yeah and um that was that was huge because moro uh god bless moro Pizet from sala and casa yeah because he's he's a musician himself he's in godspeed you black emperor yeah he gets it like he knows he's not trying to rip anybody off he's not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes yeah and he wants everybody to have an opportunity to, to to connect with the audience and with the people. So we got off on the right foot with him and uh took us about two years to to really kind of get a crowd coming back. Yeah. It's tough in the early in the early the early years. But once we crossed that threshold, uh it was it was amazing man. And, uh, it was a blessing. Uh, we we were able to bring in guests from all around the world um and uh enjoy playing with them uh and in some cases we got to they return the favor we got to go play with them that's awesome um that, yeah that but, yeah uh, i feel like uh, i think one of the most important <clears throat> things with 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 when you're an artist and or appreciator of art one of the most important things is is that connection with other people who are on the same wavelength again. So when you say when you're saying like the venue is run by someone who gets music, I feel like that's really important because you know I I like I've had a few conversations today about stuff going on in like the movie industry, and I, I keep talking about like artists and creators, and it's it's that feeling of like art's a business sometimes, like people you know, there's still a business side to it. And it's so hard for some people to put the art before the business side because they realize like it starts off for them as art, but then it turns into like, well, I got to make sure if I want the art to be seen that I got to be able to pay for some stuff. And then before they know it, there's that flip. But sometimes there's people who who are so talented at the balance. And those are the people that I really love watching because those people navigate the art world and the business world and have found ways to merge them in and, and make it seamless and and through that have given uh, spaces to better art if anything oh for sure yeah i mean there were years that we did the goods where the goods was literally the only money i like that was my main source of income mm. yeah um I mean, it wasn't always like that, but there was a few lean years where that was the case. And, you know, thank God for, thank God for that. I mean, we were able to, um, to not only like just kind of choose the people that we wanted to showcase, we we really wanted to just bring in the people that we were feeling musically Mm. uh, uh, to Montreal, people who hadn't been here before. 
um, or who maybe never would have come here in any other case. Uh, and uh, just being able to do that was was a really awesome opportunity. The first time I got to go was such a funny night because uh, I don't remember who had, who invited me, but they were just like, yo, we got to go to the goods. And I was just like, okay. And I don't even remember what year it was. I just remember walking in and like the, again, the vibe and energy so on point. I'm just like, oh, yo, this, I get this place. And I walk in, and I, I get a cider. I'm sitting in a corner and then someone introduces me to you and we start talking and I'm telling you about college radio and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, oh, yo, you should meet the homeboy over here. And he's just like, okay. And you bring me over to Kevin and you're just like, yo, this guy's going to be like, you, you, and it was so great to watch. <laughs> Cause you were just like you guys had obviously like talked and 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 talk, like you were definitely like deep music heads and I could see that kind of like connection and I was just like okay like there's like these guys know their shit and I, and I mean one of the things that I, I I've never been like a deep music head so I always appreciate watching like people who are crate diggers and like get get each other when it comes to music because I'm I'm in awe of like that that craft because i didn't like i said i feel like the formative years of like the mute my introduction to music i was in such a weird place by myself out in the suburbs that a lot of the people i would have loved to connect with and do that with weren't around me and then so you introduce me to kevin and we talk and then you know i go about my night and whatever and i think like maybe a year later i, I i'm talking to somebody and they're they show me a picture they're just like yo Katronada is killing it out there and I'm just like yeah he's just like yo he's from Montreal I'm just like yeah I hear it's I hear good things but I hadn't seen a picture and then I see the picture I'm like hey that's that dude that Scott introduced me to and my friend looked at me dumbfounded like you've met I was just like yeah we hung out at the goods this one night and it was and we <laughs> talked music and blah blah and man my friend's face was the epitome of jealousy like if like if he could have turned green from jealousy, he would have turned green from jealousy. And it was just such okay, a... Oh, wait. That wasn't the night. That wasn't the same night that that uh, Kevin was actually performing at the group. No, no. This is... He no, was just okay. hanging. Like, you had brought him out, and he was just hanging out, and, and you, like, you just introduced us on, the, on a, like, a purely casual let's introduce vibe. And that okay. was fun. I mean, it would have been cool, like, to see him DJ that night, but I just, you know, the, whatever he was doing there. But like you were saying, a whole bunch of people, the, the vibe that you guys had drew in, uh, like, specific people who love music. And I, I'm, he, you know, he's one of those people that loves music. So it was just, yeah. a, just a cool thing to see that. It's interesting because um, we booked him to perform, not to DJ, mm. but we actually booked four local acts from the time okay um who were kind of bubbling with stuff and um he was going by kate Tradamus at the time yes yes uh and he performed he did like he played like a maybe 10 beats he had his like little akai little amp on the stage and his midi controller oh, dope. and he played like 10 10 beats and then this girl crystal came out and they had a song at the time um that kevin had produced okay and she sang and he kind of did the beat live um but yeah that was the only time that he actually performed he, we never actually booked him to dj uh <laughs> i think i think he outgrew us like <laughs> fairly fairly quickly 
<laughs> but you, it's funny because you called it. You did say like he's so talented. This man's gonna be going like going places. Like you said it that night when you introduced. So it's just funny that like, like when someone says. You know what, you know? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but um, there's there was a, a documentary that was made about the Montreal Beat team, uh, that, an art beat movie, the oh. Pew Pew documentary. I don't know if you ever saw it. No, not yet, but if I'm you, If you haven't, I'll, I'll, it's on YouTube, but I'll, I'll send you the link. Yes, please. But uh, uh, Aisha Virtus, she made the movie. Um, and... You know, Kate Trinata is in it. Dr. Mad's in it. Yeah, man. Uh, High Classified, all those guys. All those guys. And they were all kind of doing their thing and sort of bugging out over each other at art beat events at the time. Mm. And in that movie, I'm in the movie too. She interviewed me in my house when I lived on Guilford. And uh, I, I was feeling that way about Kevin at the time. I was like, I give these guys a, a year. Yeah. Before they're gone, before they're gone. Yeah. They're out of here. And that came to pass. It did come to pass. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel like when, when you see talented people, are, are you ever in, like, do you ever think of like, I want to start a label and have everyone working together and doing all this crazy stuff? Of course. It's happened to me many times. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's just so many much times. talent in Montreal. Or, and even in Toronto, like if you have that connection too. Sure, and you know what? I I've been I've been lucky enough to be part of some some crews in Montreal who mm. had that idea yeah. and ran with it for as long as they could. Yeah, you know, uh, I used to work at a, a studio that was behind the Bell Center. Okay, on Saint Antoine. Uh, this this studio called Sinister Sound it used to be owned by the members of this band called Jazz Pharmacy. Oh, it's hope. That's a fun And uh, you know Jazz Pharmacy? No, I haven't heard them, but I love the name. Okay. So Jazz Pharmacy was like the go-to jazz funk band in Montreal from probably, I don't know, 90, 1997 to 2004. Okay. And um, they were playing constantly, touring constantly, and things came to a head and they were able to acquire their own studio. That's awesome. So I got hired to do admin, but I was able to sort of wrangle a production job. Yeah. Like making beats on the side, studio, studio C or studio B. I yeah. can't remember. <laughs> but you know, like You're there. it was just a, it was an awesome opportunity to work with people I didn't know and yeah. also work with, all the people that I did, who yeah. I knew were trying, you know, <laughs> looking for any any opportunity to get into the studio or, yeah, or yeah. you know. I respect the smile, too, because you're just like, hey, man, this was great. Like, <laughs> like you, could, you could see you genuinely enjoyed that you were just in a perfect place in a perfect situation. It was really great. It was yeah. a, sometimes, I mean, in the early days of the studio, I would go to work on Monday and I wouldn't get home until Wednesday. Hot shit. God damn! Because because and and trust me, there was there were no sleeping quarters. <laughs> there, there was like a lounge with a dusty couch and a couple of lounge chairs and a mini fridge and a TV. Oh shit! But you know you'd go in the studio and next thing you know it's like twelve hours later. Yeah yeah yo, yeah. 
when I was studying sound in university, there was times where if no one was using the studio and you could book it overnight, you'd just go in and I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to go in for like two, three hours. And then I'd and, and I, I remember I used to drive from the West Island uh, and park in a spot I wasn't supposed to park in. And I'd always get there around shift change for security. So they never knew who was parking there and they were nice enough to never tell me. But the one time I got caught when I left and they were just like, oh, you're the one parking there. Yo, you're not allowed to park there, man. And they like, <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> Go and I was just like, and it was like, oh, this was my mistake. Cause I usually left the amount of times I would go in and I would stay until like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, working on projects, just working on stuff, trying to like, you know, thinking myself a beat maker and just like working out stuff. And then I would leave. No one would be around there. You know, they're doing their rounds, but no one would see me. So I just drive off. But that one night I left way earlier than I usually do. And they must have been doing their rounds and they caught me. And they were so nice about uh, to this day. I don't even feel bad that they caught me because, again, I really wasn't supposed to be parking there. And the fact that they never got my car towed, I, I was I, I felt blessed. Nighttime is the right time, man. Yo. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, there's so many times that I've I've wanted to build like. Because when I was at the radio station, I started off in, in production. I wasn't a program director. I was a I, I was assistant production director. Then I started being the hip hop music director, and then that led to programming. But I was studying production in school, and it was fun. Uh, you know, I I definitely don't think of myself as a beat maker in the end, but I loved producing, and I loved one of my favorite things was actually recording live to air. Like miking for live to air was always fun. Like there have been times where we had we had a band come in once that had dr two drums two drummers keys two guitars a bass player and a separate singer at the CJLO studio the oven so if anyone knows it we're not talking a big room like university studio space you're it's really not a big booth so we fit all that in the booth and i had to we didn't even have enough mics so i'm like essentially miking for like like to capture as much sound as possible, but it's not like I can mic specific things perfectly. We have the keys plugged in uh, directly into the board, like all this crazy stuff. And then when we went to, when we recorded it, uh, like I told everyone's just like, do you think this is going to work? I'm like, hell if I know, but we're trying something, man. Let's see, <laughs> let's see if we can get some good sound out of this. Cause we, these guys came with the, one of the biggest bands we've ever seen. And I'm really excited to hear. And it ended up being one of the like, People still like someone messaged me a couple of weeks ago being like, hey, man, that was like that's that's still one of my favorite sessions at CJLO. And I'm like, nice. yeah, like, you know, you, sure. Thanks. I tried. I did my best. So, yeah, I had a show. I had a show at CJLO for a minute. you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what year? I want to say 2000 or 2001. OK, so right before I started. I was, I, I, well, two, two years, three years before I started. Cause I started 2004. I was um, like popping around 2003, but 2004 was when I, I actually got a show. Okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, I had, uh, at the time I was, I was working at a record store called noise Okay. on, on Saint Laurent. Hmm. And, uh, I, I had a lot of regular customers who would come in every week and basically ask me what they should buy. Oh, dope. That's fun. And some of them were super appreciative and I have become amazingly close friends of mine that I still, I'm, you know, I still cherish. 
That's awesome. Uh, but at the time, there was this girl. Her name was Elena. Okay. And she was a Pilates instructor. She used to come in, and she was sort of uh, toying with DJing at the time. And, uh, you know, she came in like, I don't know, she was coming in for six or eight months, buying records every week. Oh, hot damn. And one week she came in, and she's like, listen, I got an opportunity to do a radio show at CJLO. You think you'd be interested in doing it with me? Hot damn, that's awesome. She's like, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> and I didn't know, I didn't really know much about radio at the time myself. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I'd done a few overnights at CKT. Um, but really I didn't know, I didn't know my way around. You you know what? I feel like radio is because the, the especially back then, cause I remember when I started how the way the, the, the booth was set up, it, 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 I know some people felt intimidated the first time they walked into the studio. Cause you get there and you see like a 24 channel board and, and like all this equipment and you're just like, Oh, okay. And it's like, oh, we're going to be streaming, and it's like potentially unlimited people all over the world can just listen to you. And I, uh, but I always just thought, like, man, again, this is just fun, and just find out what you're going to do and do it more for yourself, or at least in that case, you know, someone came up to you, and I, I would have felt flattered if someone was just like, hey, I want to do this thing. You seem like the type of person I want to do it with. Jump on with me, because I, well, I would have loved an opportunity like that. You know, when I first started, it was very much just me being silly and being like, you know, I want to do a hip hop show, and then playing the worst hip hop, like the most commercial hip hop you'd ever heard, and you know, uh, Darcy and uh, Darcy McDonald, who uh, w- was the hip hop music director at the time. And I'm, you, I'm sure you know Darcy. Of course. Yeah. So Darcy at the time was like, he was such a like nice a person about it because instead of just being like, everything you're playing is shit, please play better music. He'd always just kind of like try and guide me by like sending suggest suggestions and like, oh, check out this album. And like, oh, if you like this rapper, you might like this rapper who isn't 50 cent on another top 40 album and i was just like okay whatever and then dude just under the guidance and like you know and exploring stuff a combination of him uh lady oracle uh jay nice all the different hip-hop shows at cjlo and 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 uh tim who was hosting a show at the time uh rook one i don't know if you know him and just all those different people and like listening to their shows and talking to them and them like suggesting stuff and and then it just became so much fun to explore. That was the other thing. I realized one of the big problems was I was being so lazy with it. I was just playing what I heard and that that was the easy way out to just do a show. Whereas, it, you know, once I actually started to put the work in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, just, it's, it's, that's level one. Yeah. 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 It's like, there's all the sub levels. Yeah. There's all kinds of, there's, there's all, I mean, to, to explain to somebody for the first time, that there's a whole world of music that exists below and yeah. obscure from your ears. <laughs> yeah. And especially back then. Yeah. Like now, now, I mean, people are much more adept at finding stuff that they probably wouldn't have normally wouldn't have found. Right. Yes. 100%. But, but back then, I mean, uh, in a lot of cases, community radio was the place that you would go. Yeah. To, to discover that that other stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, community radio is so influential uh, in sort of 
my musical education early on. Mm. Um, and uh, it, was, it was awesome to go full circle and then be the guy in the studio sort of uh, feeding, feeding the masses. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's one of the reasons that it was so much fun, like passing that on and seeing people that spoke to you about how influenced they were by your stuff to then see them come in and be DJs and stuff like that. That was always cool. Like the, not, it happened once where someone came to see Jello when I was a program director and told me, Oh, I listened to your show when I like first started university. And then that made me want to apply for a show. And I was just like, I was beaming. I was so excited that day to have someone tell me that I'm potentially influenced their decision into doing a show that that was dope. And I'm sure you've influenced a number of people into to 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 doing radio or DJing, and that's you know that that, that always seems fucking cool. Well, look, man. I mean, for me, uh, in living in living in Montreal, being in music, uh, there's always a glut of talented people around. Mm. Um, back in the day, people were so shy to share their stuff and. And to 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 let anybody else hear it, you know, like um, it, it just—it's a different world now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, it still exists. There's still there's still plenty of people who are super talented and uh, and have stuff ready to go. It's just that we're so bombarded with everything <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And then that brings you me know? to to Misa Negra. Is that the the idea behind that kind of helping people cut through? Like when you started that, what was the inspiration for that new one? Well, Misa Negra is basically a vanity project. I mean, just in a vanity project in the sense that I really miss DJing. Yeah. And I wanted to get back to a regular monthly situation mm. where I could share music with people. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know if you know, but I, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer last year. No, no, I didn't know. Uh, in... Um, maybe July of last 2019. Okay. And by October, I, I had an operation to have my prostate removed. Okay. And everything was cool. The, the, the operation was successful. Oh, good. And good uh, hopefully I won't be having any more problems. Knock wood. Knock on wood. But I was like laid up in my house for eight weeks. Mm. Um, off work and, you know, I had friends, good friends were coming by with food and and checking on me, taking care. But the whole time that I was recovering, I was like, what do I want to do with myself? Like, what am I, what am I going to do? Like, yeah, I got to do something to get some energy and, and, and momentum back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really that, that's, that's how my mind was working. So I think uh, my friend Rafat, he was coming by to see me a couple of days a week and he was telling me about, Oh yeah. You know, you know that there's a, they, they opened up the basement at Salarosa. And I was like, what are you talking about? The basement, the bathrooms? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, no, no. There's, they, there's like, there's a, there's like a bar. And then across the hall from the bar, there's like a smaller dance floor. Yeah. Like, and I didn't know anything about it. So I got on the horn. I called up, I called up Kiva. <laughs> And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's been going for a year already. It's just now starting to, like, it's booked, like, solid. Oh, damn. Okay. Uh, every, every week. 
She's like, you want to come check it out? And I'm like, uh, as soon as I'm able, sure. So as soon as the first thing I did when I was able to leave the house, yeah, was go to the CASA offices and go and check out the basement. Dude. And that day is when I decided, okay, I'm gonna. They were like, you want to do something? We, we can, you can do something if you want to do something. That's so I, I, I signed up for like seven months of, of monthly, <laughs> and look, and look where we are now. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yo, uh, you know, I, 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 like I, the importance of having a, a plan or uh, something to guide you when you're feeling kind of like you're like you're you're like laid out at home and you're just like, I want to feel the energy and like the push to do something. And like people don't realize how important that is sometimes. And like yeah. and like the fact that it was like the first thing you did is that important message that like and that's why you know i feel like that message is important right now like i you know it's there's a lot of people at home and this quarantine situation is not easy but if you have that one thing in the back of your mind that you're thinking of and the moment that things start to get a little bit better and you're like this is what i want to do yo follow that path man because that that for sure that leads to like for me this this was my thing like i was just like i've always wanted to do i remember my partner was saying one time one of her friends asked her like oh what does he do for a living and it's like oh he curates playlists for uh like uh commercial spaces restaurants bars so on and so forth and and then they're just like oh okay just like what would he do if he wasn't doing that and she was just like oh he'd podcast every day and and she said that to me and i was like you're right like I had never said that to myself, but her saying it, I was just like, yeah, because I guess, you know, you can't see the trees from the forest. Right. So for someone looking out at me would realize like that is definitely your passion. But I just was so in my routine of day to day that I just never thought about it. And once she said yeah. that to me, I was just like, it really is one of the things that makes me happy. And then when this quarantine whole thing started bong like i jumped on it because it was yeah so how, how what have you been i mean because of the quarantine obviously we're not able to do the nights but what are some of the things that you've been doing to like feel a, to be able to try and maintain things a little bit what do you think i've been doing man i've been trying to optimize my streaming game oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like ev like everybody else <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, OBS folks, if you guys are out there and you're wondering how I do this, uh, I'll one day I'll I'll show you guys a screen cap, but it's all I use OBS and OBS. Uh, yeah. Streamlabs. Yeah, Streamlabs OBS, exactly. I used a nicer looking one. And and I don't update mine as much as it tries to get me to because I <laughs> the version that I have right now does everything I want it the way I want it and every time I log in, it tries to update. So funny enough, every time I open my computer, uh, and I want to open Streamlabs. I actually disable the Wi-Fi, open Streamlabs, so that it right. doesn't, so that it doesn't try to connect. And then Look, I, man, <laughs> if you update, it's still gonna be set up with your specs, man. I don't That's trust them. Anything. I don't trust them, Scott. I don't trust <laughs> nobody. Because you know what? I, I, I obviously I don't know the program as well as I should. Because I remember, I so every time I had. Every time I did an update on my computer, the Streamlabs would delete all the scenes I had created. And I didn't oh. 
I didn't know that the scenes were actually not deleted. They're saved. I just have to figure out how to go back and 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 add them. But I didn't know yeah. that. So I used to get so mad because it happened one time while I was about to do a podcast that the way like the way we have it right now where you and I are split and all that stuff. Like I had to learn how to layer things properly so that it looks this way. So it's not something that I can just recreate right away because I'm always just like, ah, I got to like frame this properly and move that over. So the first time I was so mad. And then one one day I was just looking and I found the link and it's just like, oh, yeah, the, you, you just click this button. And I clicked the button and every single scene I had ever made was there. <laughs> and most of them were just copies of me recreating the old scene because I thought it was deleted. And I felt like such a nun. Like, I felt so stupid, but whatever. I, I feel like I feel like everybody is going through the same process right now yeah. because this is all new territory for most people. Mm. You know, like... Uh, um, even like when this whole thing started, like literally the first week when I saw this sort of uptick of people DJing, I was like, oh shoot, that's where this is going? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I bought, I, I ordered an iRig, an, uh, oh, an iRig stream like yeah. that day. Oh damn, okay. And, I, and I, I got it, like I got it in a day. I got it from Best Buy. Okay. And before they started selling out and, and being unavailable. <laughs> yeah. <and backwards. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I'm a hundred percent certain that people are just kind of muddling through and, and getting their resources from where they can get them and watching the tutorials they need to watch. Yes. Yes. So that they, so that they can, you know, and, and, you know, you do it once and then you're like, okay, I can do that better. The next time you do it, you change a little something and switch it up. Yeah. And that's how it goes, man. I, I, I just put up a, a Twitch channel yesterday. Oh, dope. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent finished with uh, configuring it yet, but yeah. <laughs> it's way better. It's way better than when I first put it up. Let's say that. Well, do you want to tell people the handle? Because I'll tell people to follow you on Twitch. I, I also I'm on Twitch. It's twitchtv.incmtl. Oh, dope. Okay, there you go. All right. Oh, I I, I stay inside with Scott C. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I joined, I signed up for Twitch at one point and was just like, all right, I'm going to like get on Twitch and I'm going to dominate. And this was before this all started. And then I tried doing it for like two weeks and I was just like, these kids, man, they're so fast with this damn thing. Like you just see all these, <laughs> you see all these gaming what? kids on there just killing it. And with these like dope you're, ass. You're not a gamer, eh? No, but these kids have like green screens and they're like playing and they have themselves oh, in the shot. And I'm like. Yo, I feel like such an idiot. Like I, I can't catch up to what they're doing, and so I just, I stopped for a minute. But now I'm, I'm gonna start trying to like. There, there's this thing called Restream.io, yeah. Which you have to. It's unfortunately it's twenty dollars a month, so I don't. I probably won't do it right now because you know, financially that doesn't seem like the smartest decision to sign up for a <laughs> twenty dollar a month plan. But it's, it's a thing that allows you to stream to multiple platforms at once. So you can yeah. stream to like YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitch, and uh, whatever else, all at, the, all at once. And every time yeah. I look at it, I'm just like, man, I should do that. Because then I could do like this on Facebook. I could have it on Twitch. And and it would be cool yeah. to be able to, to have the stream everywhere. Have you heard of Yellow Duck? No. Do tell. So Yellow, Duck, Yellow Duck is another one that allows you to stream on multiple platforms. But 
from what I've been reading, because I was I was like, okay, I'm I'm doing it. I'm looking this but up. But then right I now. started reading a little bit deeper, and there was like people were questioning the security of it and uh, okay. and the and the legitimacy of it. It works though, but but the 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 question marks are <laughs> well, you know what? It's nebulous. <laughs> I'll tell people this: if people have concerns about um, any of this stuff. For any, uh, I mean, not for us, but for anyone who's using TikTok, maybe also look into TikTok and security issues because I know people, I know people are really excited about TikTok. But one of the things that I read was, because um, TikTok is a Chinese is made by a Chinese company, and one of the yeah. things in China is, and I, guys, I, this is I don't this isn't coming out of left field. I looked it up. In China, a lot of the companies are beholden to the like uh the government and the um to the state man to the state and the the like not secret police but like essentially like their equivalent of like the the mounties and the FBI and all that stuff right like so you're there's like stipulations that they have to share information with the government and the state and technically like when you sign up for TikTok TikTok that's you sign all that off. You sign that off. Like they have all that information. And if the Chinese government ever decides that they need information from that company and need all that data, they are allowed to ask for it. And as per the state, they would be eligible to get it. So I know a lot of people like in Australia, one of the reasons that the original 5G antennas weren't allowed to go up is because they were being produced by a Chinese company. And Australia had concerns about security issues because of the fact that the Chinese company was going to be beholden to the state and would have to share information. And if all that data is transferring over the 5G network, they're just like, well, wouldn't they technically be allowed to ask for all the data that they're, they've collected? And I, yeah. I, I was just like, oh, that's that's some interesting, intense stuff. So, you know, everyone's on TikTok. Everyone's having fun. And I'm not saying don't have don't go on TikTok and have fun. But I mean... Because also, who's sharing anything majorly important on TikTok here? You, you yeah, make... but it's it's not just TikTok, man. You know that there's all kinds of oh, apps yeah. out there that are piggybacking or yeah, yeah, have yeah. embedded, I don't know, who knows yeah, what yeah. in there. And people just are like, let me get to it. They yeah. just click that box and they, 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 it's gone. You know? Oh, yeah. I I 100% will t take credit for being that bad, too. Because like when I signed up for Quibi, uh, I don't know if you heard of Quibi, but it's this uh, streaming app. It's like a, it's like a new streaming app for TV shows and stuff. But it's like all the shows are only six minutes long. And anyways, long. Oh, yeah, Quibi, Quibi. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the they're offering three months free to anyone who signs up, except in Quebec. But I, you yeah. know, I didn't read that because, like you said, <laughs> I just kept clicking the like, yeah, give me the info, give me the info, and click. And then when I got to the end and it's like, oh, it's going to charge you six ninety nine. I thought it was going to charge me six ninety nine after the trial because I understood. I was just like, yeah, of course, you're going to ask me that you can start paying after three months. But no, it charged me right away. And then I felt stupid and I messaged them. And the guy's just like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. Let me look into it. And then like a supervisor messaged me back being like, yeah, homie, it says you can't get it in Quebec. You live in Quebec. Yeah. <laughs> he was nice about it, but essentially it was just like, yo, dumbass, you're in Quebec. You don't get this. And I was like, God damn it. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, uh, one of the things that we were, we were supposed to talk about before we sign off, because uh, you and I were talking, what are some of the TV shows you've been enjoying in quarantine, good sir? Oh, you know what? 
<laughs> I I found something the other night that I I wasn't looking for, and um, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Ooh, uh, Dave. Oh yes, uh, little little Dicky show. Yes, I just watched the latest episode. Very very funny. Yes, I you I, know I think it's one season down, right? Yeah, I, I yeah I think this might be the last episode. It feels like a. a Almost, yeah, it feels like a last episode because the it, actually I won't say it because maybe you haven't seen it, but yeah, don't say it. I, yeah. I saw episode ten, episode ten, yeah. Uh, is it? My God, I don't even know. I just clicked. I was just like, "What's this new episode?" Click watch. I was like, "Cool." I'm just. I, I gotta say, the initial episode when I watched it, I came on my podcast and I was just like, eh, "This ain't it, man." And then, a, and then like two or three episodes later, I had to one hundred percent backpedal on that man because I was just like. Okay, this is a good show. I had to, I had you know, to, I had to acknowledge it. It's like I feel like I feel like he watched Atlanta and was like, "This is amazing. Yeah. I could do, do a show about my own life." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like he's like he's a joke, man. He's so fucking funny. Yeah, he really um, is, and he can rap. That's the, at the end. Of, I mean, he's like a totally neurotic Woody Allen caricature. Yeah, but. He is funny. He's a funny dude. Yeah, it is good. Um, he, he he does a good show. And Andrew Centino, the redheaded dude who plays his friend and manager, he's yeah. I, I I like him as a comedian. And um, you know, and I really like the 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 relationship with those two, the relationship with Taco, the relationship with Gata, yeah. all of it, the whole crew, the whole clique. It, it's well done. I gotta I gotta admit, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 it's fun. Yeah. So there's that, um, and we spoke. I don't. We didn't speak about it, but devs. Yes, I finished devs. Devs, devs next level. Yes, yes, that, yes. That was that was the find of the season, I would say. You you finished uh, it? Oh yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about that show. Me I, neither. I, I accidentally landed on uh, uh, a cast, oh, okay. a, an ensemble cast interview. Oh, dope. Okay. And I couldn't turn it off. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's awesome. They were talking about it, and I was like, "Wow, this sounds kind of like <laughs> I should check it out." And then I checked it out, and I was like, "Yo, this is this is drawing me in, man." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, the sound design and the, yep. the, like the way that it was shot, everything yes. was just like totally foreboding and creepy and suspenseful. It yes. just kept pulling me, pulling me, pulling me, pulling me in. I, and I, the payoff was the payoff was worth it. I I don't want to spoil anything, but when it got to the end and he said that thing about how it's spelt and he's he's just like it's actually yeah. I was just like oh my god, I was like yo dude yeah, like no pun intended yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah man I gotta say devs is really good I know I'm funny enough I had someone message me the other day being like. Hey man, when are you guys gonna talk about devs on the on Geektastic Cypher? Because you you talked about it, but you haven't gone back to it. And I was just like, Yeah, man, I'm gonna wait till next week because I finally finished it and I, I needed a minute to sit with it because I was just yeah. like processing what I saw and I was just like, Man, that's some good storytelling. Yeah. Uh, and Alex Garland, the director creator of it, is like he did um, Ex Machina the movie, and you realize like yeah. he ha- this guy has like a certain style and he has like you could tell like this, there's something he thinks about a lot and he's able to translate those ideas and thoughts into really entertaining movies or series. And I, I was yeah, like, 
Ex Machina could be in the same universe. Exactly. 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 You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Yes. That's a, yeah. It, exactly. It could be just down the road a little bit. One hundred percent. And that was exactly my thought too. I was just like, this guy is built. Is he building like a loose universe right here? Like, kind of just like, because you could you could easily easily tie this stuff together easily. Um, um, is it Love and Robots? Oh yes, the Netflix series with the the is like that shorts. Back? You know if that's coming yeah, back. There's, yeah, there's another season. They're supposed to give a second season. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely excellent. Uh, yeah. I know that's going back a little while, but. Uh... That's I, no, I, I was I was thinking about that like during quarantine like when are they gonna do the next season of that yeah. that was dope man like I love that format just like little bite sized amazing shorts and yeah pieces, you know and they were entertaining they're interesting the the all the stories were like you each one at the end of it I was just like especially the one about the, the color blue where the guy the artist yeah that, oh, was dope. that one was so good man yeah. full, full circle yeah man i was like i like got to the end and i was just like yo i got goosebumps like that shit's serious <laughs> <laughs> yo it was serious it was serious dude yo scott this was so much fun man i really appreciate this conversation man i really do uh no worries man i said it at the beginning i'll say it again the whole premise of this is an excuse to talk to people that do dope shit and and there's so many people that I I want to talk to, but you were definitely one of the people I really wanted to talk with, and I'm happy that we were able to do this because this was a lot of fun, man. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate uh, you inviting me on, and uh, you know, anytime. Dope, man. Definitely. Uh, do you want to let tell me know, and I'll come back for sure. Uh, all the social What's medias. That? You want to give people all the social medias because I uh, when I post this on IG, I'm gonna add it underneath your name, uh, underneath your picture. Yeah, uh, on Instagram, it's at INCMTL, um, twitch.tv slash INCMTL. Um, on Mixcloud, you can check me out, Scott C. Okay, perfect. Uh, and I think that's really all anybody needs to know. Dope, man. That's perfect. Thank you so much again. This was great. I, I look forward to talking to you uh, again sometime soon. We'll keep exchanging uh, TV shows that people should check out. Uh, and for everyone watching, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I see a whole bunch of, I see a bunch, a list of people who tuned in throughout the shout outs to Ollie, Mark, Don, Tahira, Kai, Manny. Uh, oh, Jai Tai Lotus was watching. Eric at one point. Uh, Travis, my buddy Kai again. Yeah, so th thanks to all of you guys who are tuned in. Thank you to Scott again. And guys, we'll be back uh, again tomorrow with another edition of Not a Journalist. Peace, everybody. That's another edition of Not a Journalist with Brian Holiday. You guys can find more episodes on brianholiday.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-H-O-L-I-D-A-E. Also, follow me on all social media platforms at Brian Holiday. If you guys want to support me, make sure to check out my coffee page. That's ko-fi.com slash brianholiday. And if you have something to say, you can leave a message at anchor.fm slash not dash a dash journalist slash message and i'll add it to the next episode thanks for tuning in everyone